This episode features the old jail museum in Maryland, and we talk about the legend of the Witch of Leonardtown. You will learn about her life and her death and the curse that she bestowed upon the land. The museum actually has the very stone that she was found dead on, and legend has it that anyone who touches the stone is forever cursed. We also discuss a more sensitive subject, and that is of St. Mary's County's only documented lynching victim, Benjamin Hans, and how his story is tied to a jar of dirt that is housed at the museum. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I really appreciate your interest in these amazing stories. I hope you enjoy. All right, we'll go ahead and get started. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm here at the old, is it Old Town Jail? Uh, just the old jail in Leonardtown. The yeah. old jail in Leonardtown. Um, and I'm with Catherine Davis, who, I'm going to see if I can get this right. You're a student at the George Washington University in D.C., and you are currently interning, um, and one of the projects that you've been focusing on is the work here at the old jail. Yes, that's correct. Okay, yeah. well, thank you for meeting with me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and uh, so I came here yesterday, actually, and did a little tour of the museum, and the jail, I mean, the jail and the museum, it's, it's the same thing. And it's got some really cool old things in here, but there's like two particular items that we really wanted to talk about today. Um, but the history of the jail and the, the area here, uh, what, what is your background that you have for this stuff? Oh, uh, well, um, I was, uh, came to the county in like, say 2012. So I've been here for a while. Um, I'm from a military family, so we kind of, you know, jumped all over the place, but I grew up here mostly. And um, I have been focused uh, on my research here, mostly in the old jail, kind of telling the stories of the people that haven't had their stories told. So, and we'll get a little bit more into this later, but um, (laughs) there's um, a lynching victim who was actually the only documented lynching victim. His name was Benjamin Hans. And we I did some research about him last summer so that we could create an exhibit in commemoration of him. And then this summer, I'm still interning through the St. Mary's County Museum Division under Karen Stone, who's the Museum Division Manager. And um, I'm working on telling the story of the Underground Railroad and its connections to the old jail. So, Very cool. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're focused. But as far as the old jail goes, it used to be um, run by the Historic Society in the county, and recently the museum division took it over, so a lot of the artifacts and things in here were actually uh, property of the Historic Society, donated by people in the county, so while they may not explicitly tell the story of the jail, they're still really, really cool county artifacts, and uh, yeah, it's really neat. So, <laughs> And I know that um, when I was asking you yesterday, you said that there, you guys have some actual shackles that were used here. Today. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So when, when was this jail originally started? So there were six jails in the county, and uh, this being the sixth jail, the first two were actually down at St. Mary's City, where kind of like, you know, the capital and all the first... Uh, happenings for the colonizers started but and then the second two are kind of in Leonardtown across the way and then the last two were here so there was actually a building that was constructed here the first one in 1858 and um, it was two stories but uh, the county kind of decided that it wasn't doing that great of a job there were lots of instances of people escaping and I guess it just kind of needed redone so they actually rebuilt it and that's the current building we're sitting in and the building you see when you visit, um, it was built in 1876 and was then in use until 1945 when the base kind of got moving and they needed a larger jail because 
at the time there were there's only three jail cells and I actually found accounts of like 19 people being held in one cell at a time. So. And these are they're upstairs. Yes. The, the, so the downstairs is like the living quarters of the jailers. Mm-hmm. The upstairs are the actual jail cells, and those are very small. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's they a lot are. of people to have crammed in there. Yeah. So I guess the county decided that you know by 1945, with all of the new population coming in because of the base and stuff, they needed to get a, a new jail cell. Yeah. <laughs> The jail cells that are upstairs, they were segregated. Yes. And so you had the larger one that was um, black males and black females. Mm-hmm. And then you had, on the other side, you had one that was for white males and one that was for white females. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Is there anything particular about any of the prisoners that you had here that was interesting mm-hmm. or escapee stories? Right. Or? Well, a lot of what like I've been focused on, because we are, a lot of people don't know this, especially like, even in the county, but... The, un- the old jail itself is a Underground Railroad Network to Freedom site. So we are technically on the Underground Railroad, and we didn't really have anything that was telling the story of that. So you might think, like, why is why are we a part of that? But um, it is true that um, freedom seekers, we call uh, enslaved people, we call them freedom seekers. The freedom seekers were captured and held here, and some of them did manage to escape. So that took place like early 1800s up through the civil war a lot of the accounts we have are like the 1860s so pretty much the height of the civil war and uh the county itself was very confederate leaning even our newspaper was suspended at the time and uh there's a um a union camp for it's like a prisoner of war camp that's like 20 minutes down the road that was one of the largest on the like on the east coast obviously but point lookout and so you can imagine like the climate of the time and it was just it's incredible to learn about these stories because the freedom seekers themselves had to escape local plantations and were coming from different areas and so while the jail itself doesn't tell a very positive aspect of the underground railroad it's It's still still an important piece of that history exactly exactly it's still important and research it and it kind of gets lost you know people don't know and the Freedom Seekers were very brave, and we actually have accounts of accomplices as well that were um, charged of harboring a slave, quote-unquote, and held here. So lots of interesting stories of people, but uh, yeah. That's- <laughs> so when, when you say that the, the Freedom Seekers mm-hmm. came, you know, they were imprisoned and then they escaped. Mm-hmm. So was that like this was a secret area of the Underground Railroad, so they would purposefully, you know, catch these freedom seekers, put them in here, but in reality they were just trying to put them in a safe area so they could free them later. Mm. So were there, like, people within the jail Uh, that were part of the Underground Railroad? No, not to my knowledge. Most of, like, the escaping was done by the freedom seekers, just kind of So they just broke out of jail. Jail break, yeah. And so a lot of, we know this because a lot of the newspaper articles I was able to find and uncover were actually, like, this man escaped from the jail last if you find him bring him back and you know a reward of however much money you know because the runaway ads and things at the time so it was less of like thinking of the jail as a stop on the underground road and more of like a an end okay yeah it was and upstairs there are there are actually lots of windows yeah i was very surprised to see yeah (laughs) yeah there's lots of windows and they do have bars Mm -hmm. um but that is probably one of the avenues that they utilized probably probably. i was i'm also surprised my first time here there's at least one window per jail cell yeah two in the 
um, the one that held women, and then there's actually, I think there's two or three in the other one, but... And the there were two people, uh, I think when we were talking yesterday, there were two women who were imprisoned here for being, a, like, they were helping the Freedom Seekers? Exactly, yeah, they were, um, which is very incredible, the stories behind them. They were imprisoned here uh, for aiding in the flight of Freedom Seekers, and um, one of them, her name was Millie Cooper, and she was actually a slave herself at one point. So she was enslaved in her youth, and then was freed, uh, we believe, the most likely reason was through the last will and testament of um, Eleanor Cooper. So she was actually became a free black woman in the county in the early 1800s, which, you know, that in itself is amazing. And then in aiding a freedom seeker, she was caught and then detained here actually for four years. Wow. In yeah. this jail. In this jail, yeah. Wow. And then the other woman, her name was Sarah McCannon, and she was actually a white woman, which is kind of interesting, but um, she was detained, or I'm sorry, she was uh, charged of the same crime, um, and we actually do know the name of the freedom seeker she was helping. Her name was Rose, and she was a very young um, girl, and... Sarah was charged and was actually sentenced to six years, but through there were multiple pleas within the county for her pardon, including the man uh, who's who was um, like owned quote unquote uh, Rose requested that she be pardoned, and she actually was pardoned. So it's kind of interesting to you know compare the stories or just yeah. think about them because. She, de- she was pardoned, and we actually have evidence that the um, uh, Rose was actually the man that owned, quote-unquote, Rose uh, attempted to sell her. And so we actually know that she was 13 years old at the time. So Okay, and so I'm guessing it wasn't successful then right. because she was later sold. Exactly, yeah. Okay, and do you, do you by chance know what ended up happening to the women afterwards? So I know more about Millie Cooper just through um, my current research and how far I've gotten, but Millie actually, after she was let out of jail, I have records of her living well into her, like, 60s and 70s. In the same area? Yep, still here in St. Mary's County, and um, she seems to be the head of the household, and there are, um, at times, three or four um, young black men and women, black children that she was um, in, that were living in her household with her. I'm still unsure about how they're related to her, if they're related to her, but yeah, she was living well into her 70s and was working as a cook, and yeah, so pretty incredible story. Um, as far as Sarah McCannon goes, I do know less about her, um, but she was pardoned, so... After the four years... Well, she didn't serve time. She was pardoned before being incarcerated. So, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so Millie was the one that served the four years. Oh, okay. And then Sarah was actually pardoned. So as far as I'm aware, she would just continue to, you know, live in the county. But Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible and pretty exciting to uh, uncover their stories because... Um, I mean, especially Millie Cooper's story, once being enslaved herself, you know, and then pretty incredible that, like, if this is correct about her being freed through that will and testament, she probably was only free for, like, two months before being charged and then put into the jail here, so... 
she really was committed to, you know, helping other freedom seekers, so. Yeah. This is a pretty small, you know, it's a small museum, it's a small jail, but it has a really big history. Right. It has a really big, important part in what happened here in Maryland. Exactly, yeah. Uh, And so another thing that, um, you know, kind of, you know, gliding into one of the big topics that we wanted to talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. especially right now with the BLM movement and Mm -hmm. everything and the importance of telling these kinds of stories. Right. um, You have a very important jar of dirt. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We do have a very important jar of dirt. So what is this jar? Uh, Upstairs. Um, it is a jar of dirt that we collected last November on Maryland Emancipation Day because um, Maryland Emancipation Day is actually uh, happened later than the Emancipation Proclamation, so not so many people know that. But yeah, yeah it was uh, a little later along the road. But uh, so November first, and we had a, s- a soil collection ceremony, and essentially, just to say a little bit about Benjamin Hans himself. The idea behind the soil collection is to, well, it's actually the Equal Justice Initiative, which is based in Montgomery, Alabama. They have this uh, kind of like project going on where they encourage counties across the country and to really dig into the research and their history and try to um, uncover as many um, lynchings as possible. And then what they do is they... Uh, actually will put on like ceremonies and stuff to collect dirt from where the person was lynched. So you, the jar of dirt signifies kind of the ideas that like the soil remembers and because a lot of times there isn't any other artifacts or anything. Yeah, there wouldn't be like a marked grave that was contained or anything like that. Exactly, exactly. Especially with, you know, the nature of the crime. So our story that we have here is the only documented uh, lynching victim in the county. His name is Benjamin Hans. He was lynched um, in 1887, uh, just five minutes down the road from here. He was accused of uh, assaulting a white woman down by the wharf um, and was actually held here in the jail upstairs. And one night, Early in the morning, around like 2 a.m., uh, a mob of white citizens actually came to the jail, attempted to break in. Um, the jailer at the time actually did try to prevent them from coming into the jail, but he was ultimately unsuccessful. They actually managed to get in, keep him locked in one of the rooms down here, go upstairs and actually break down the jail door and then take Benjamin Hans out of the jail. So a pretty pretty um violent and uh crime but they took him down to the jail they took him down back outside they were actually going to lynch him in the yard right out here with that where that huge tree is Mm -hmm. right in front of the courthouse yeah because where this jail is situated right now just kitty corner is the courthouse exactly exactly yeah so they were prepared to um take his life right on the lawn in front of the jailhouse in front of the courthouse pretty much like in the square of the town which is you know bold as brass honestly exactly exactly <laughs> and um they didn't because a local doctor actually came outside and told them that it would upset his wife because she was pregnant and didn't want any like bad energy or like negative things to affect his wife's pregnancy but that if they took him somewhere else it was okay as long as it doesn't affect right right so continue with your business an interesting 
thing, but so they did heed his uh, words and they did take him further down out of town where actually if anyone's local or visits, the Leonardtown Winery is actually where we were able to locate where he was lynched um, through looking at maps of like back in the day and comparing them and the accounts of the people that, you know, reported on it. But yep, he was um, lynched right kind of in the back of the woods there over in a witch hazel tree overhanging the road. So again... So it's easy, I mean, it's easy to find the relative area to that because you do have documentation of where the roads are. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And again, in a very public place, you know. So, I mean, he didn't receive any justice, any sort of trial. There was a trial after the fact to kind of, you know, figure out who did it. And there was jurors that refused to speak on it. In fact, one man said he knew who did it, but wouldn't say who did the who did the actual who lynching. did the crime yes and wouldn't say and basically the juror the jury just like closed and they called it a day and no so no one was ever charged no one was ever punished there was no exactly kind of, even just even just a fee there was nothing exactly and it's pretty incredible considering i mean there were whisperings in the town that there were witnesses to seeing him get like you know taken down the road and things and Still no justice. Everyone just kind of kept quiet. Everyone kept quiet, and never, or everyone just, you know, didn't. So that's kind of his story, and uh, researching it last summer was really powerful, and it's those kinds of stories that we really want to tell, especially, like you mentioned, in the light of the BLM movement and things like that, because a lot of people around here and, you know, across the country don't know uh, the specifics of the story or... They just think, oh, you know, lynchings happened in the 1800s, but to actually, like, be able to put, a like, a name to it and be like, no, in this county... This is the exact person and this is the story. Exactly. And he was, you can come into this jail and you can walk right up the stairs and see the jail cell where he was held and you can imagine, you know, if you step right outside, there's that tree there and then if you walk down to the winery, you know, it's all right here and we're working on getting a historic marker that'll actually... Uh, commemorate him and um, so in addition to our soil collection ceremony that we had to actually collect the jar of dirt we're working on still continuing to preserve his memory so that we don't forget so you can you can come inside there's the jar of dirt here to commemorate him but then there's also a a, 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 there's two jars of dirt that's correct there are two jars of dirt and that's uh, kind of what the equal justice initiative does is they they'll um, we actually had um, a representative come and give a very nice speech at our ceremony, but they will collect one jar to kind of keep circulating in the county or to keep wherever deemed like appropriate. So in our case, it's the jail where he was held. But And then they take a jar with them back to Alabama because they have a museum there that they collect all of these jars. And I mean, it is just very overwhelming and very powerful. I want to go down there someday to see it because it is just like walls of jars of dirt. And it's such a powerful like imagery because it's it's not just like someone putting up a plaque, which, you know, is very great in itself, but like to actually have the dirt from these different places is just something like, like tangible. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's very amazing. And all of the, the names of the victims are on all of the jars. So, like we were talking about earlier with, like, knowing the names of the victims, it's 
It's very powerful. So. That's cool. <laughs> I, well, I'm going to have to go and uh, maybe do an episode. Yes, <laughs> yes, I would. I highly recommend it. I haven't been there myself, but uh, it's just an incredible, incredible place. And they're doing really incredible work. They, um, uh, not to get off too much of a tangent, but the Equal Justice Initiative, I recommend everyone look into. They have a great website, but um, they're also working on uh, prison reform and uh, kind of current... Um, political movements as well dealing with uh inequality and justice so it's it's they're doing really great stuff so. that's awesome and I'll, I'll put the link in the um, web page for this yeah, too that so. would be great yeah so kind of continuing our theme of uh <laughs> injustices mm-hmm. not that the jail itself is evil but right. it has a history of some really unfortunate events happening mm-hmm. and one of the things that me, that i was really really interested in is i heard you know the the you know, history, the the tragic tale of the witch of, you know, Leonardtown. Yes, um, yes. And so there, there is a particular rock outside here mm-hmm. that is important, and then this witch story. Yes, we have a legend in the county, and there's actually been some great research done to actually say, no, this woman actually existed, which is incredible. Uh, her name is Maul Dyer. And as far as I know, she was um, a witch, quote-unquote, yeah. <laughs> in the county in the late 17th century. Um, and uh, as far as I know, it was just uh, she lived in the woods and, um, you know, would uh, kind of have these herbal remedies and of sorts and things. And uh, I guess at some point the townspeople were just on the, you know, the witch kind of Yeah, they started having a series of unfortunate events and needed exactly. someone to Exactly, an explanation. So, um, yeah, they went out and they, they actually burned her hut. And uh, there's this, the legend goes then that she fled into the woods and was uh, caught and actually froze kind of with her, like, hand and knee on the rock and one, like, reaching towards the sky kind of like in anguish and at the injustice that happened. So um, that rock was actually uncovered and is now what you can see outside of our jail. So, yeah. And, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's just right, it's right here. Exactly. And <laughs> um, touch it if you dare. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes. There's there's a bit of superstition around it because, um, uh, you know, bad things happen when they moved it or, uh, you know, if you touch it, then there's this kind of curse one well, um, and so there's actually this book that I got, mm-hmm. um, and it's called Mall Dyer and Other Witch Tales of Southern Maryland, and it's by uh, Lynn Oh Bonaviri, maybe? Mm-hmm. I'll have to I'll, I'll include the links. Yeah, so okay. But what's really interesting is she actually um, really delved into the research and background behind this mm-hmm. um, Mall Dyer, Maria Dyer. Um, and, I mean, I, I highly recommend it. It's just a small book. I mean, it, it, but it's packed with information. They have mm-hmm. genealogy. She has all of her reference points. Um, and so what also was really interesting is, you know, back in the time when, you know, the, the, the late 1600s, mm-hmm. there were a lot of people who did herbal medicines and things like that. Right. Um, and it seems from what she was talking about, 
is that as long as things are going well, people continue to go to these herbal women for their remedies Mm -hmm. and their medicines. And it was really only once things started to turn bad that they claimed that they were a bad witch. Right. Exactly. Um, So, and what's really interesting about her story is, like you said, they were actually able to find, you know, she was a real person. Mm -hmm. They found um, birth certificates and baptisms. um, And she originally was from England. Mm -hmm. And she came over here um, to immigrated. But she had to do indentured servanthood because she right. didn't have enough money. She came from a really low class family who had many siblings and it was, you know, it was estimated that she probably helped raise them and took care of them. She right. never had any children of her own and she became an indentured servant on the Nevis plantation in the West Indies. And that was how she was making her way down to come to America. Mm-hmm. And while she was there, she worked on this plantation for four years and it was during that time where, you know, um, there were indentured sla- uh, servants, but it was more profitable, unfortunately, for the plantation to have more slaves because mm-hmm. slaves you could keep indefinitely. You know, they, they created more slaves for you to do with what you wanted. Exactly. Um, and, I mean, it was just, you know, free horrific labor. <laughs> yeah. So it, this was at a time where they were kind of phasing out this indentured servanthood. And she was living on this plantation with many different slaves. And many of these slaves, you know, were brought over from Africa right. where they brought over their own kind of herbal remedies and, you know, their um, enchantments and their own kind of rituals. In the culture, which, yeah. Yeah, which later we call voodoo. Mm-hmm. So she, it's likely that she learned a lot of things there and then she brought them with her when she did arrive to Massachusetts. Or right. uh, Maryland. Maryland, yeah. <laughs> Maryland. And so when she got here, you know, she had these remedies. She had this background in, you know, what would be considered being a witch. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until, you know, she she had lived here for 20 years. She yeah. was almost, she was in her 60s. Yeah. And she was a single old woman, you know, a spinster living in the woods, not really being a huge part of the community. Mm-hmm. And then they, what happened was it seemed like there was an unprecedented cold winter. Mm-hmm. And during this cold winter, um, people started getting really sick with influenza. And right. there was a lot of sickness and things happening. And they looked to her and she seemed relatively healthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was an old woman who lived by herself, which already is apparently this horrible thing right, back in those red days. Flag or something. <laughs> and so it's likely that she was really well equipped to handle the different sicknesses because she had been gone through these ships, which were, you know, horrible mm-hmm. slave type mm-hmm. ships where, you know, every I mean disease was rampant. So she survived that and then she survived the trek here. So she probably had quite a lot of immunities. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and this is all in this book. I just right. read it last night. I'm not just randomly an expert <laughs> in this one story. I did my research, yes. but yeah. And then, so everything kind of started going wrong and, mm-hmm. um, they needed somebody to blame. And there yeah. was, you know, old Maria Dyer, who was just an easy target. Exactly. And like you said, they burned her house down. She ran out in the woods. And then a few days later, they, they found her body on the stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they just assumed she must have cursed the land, which, I mean, if I was her, right. I would have to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so, and like you said, there's, like, this whole kind of history about it, and there's this, like, ooh, spooky, like, you know, if you touch the rock, you're going to be cursed with bad luck that she was cursing the area with. Right, yeah. Uh, and it's pretty cool, and, you know, it said you can actually see her knee right. prints and her, the and her print. palm print on the rock, so, <laughs> um, but... They, but you said something that they actually might be moving the rock. Correct, yes. Um, so kind of like I mentioned earlier, the Historic Society used to uh, kind of run the old jail. So 
um, after the museum division took it over, it was decided that the Historic Society, which um, is located in Tudor Hall, which is another pretty cool historic building, but it's actually just across the way where the Historic Society is, that they would actually be taking, relocating the rock over there and then trying to take measures to preserve it and actually put it on display um, because it's just kind of been outside of the old jail. I mean, if you come to see it, it's just on the ground, you know, and uh, it's been kind of a, a while since the 17th century, so, uh, you know, weathering's taken place and stuff like that, so in an effort to preserve it, uh, we're considering to, to move it. So if you're wanting to get in <laughs> touch that rock, you better come soon. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So... If you would like to touch it, yeah, you should probably come soon. But um, I mean, they're gonna probably they're gonna do a great job and um, oh, yeah. you know putting it in a safe location and trying to preserve it and maybe hopefully even doing some like uh, panels or interpretation around it, which would be pretty cool. But it's still kind of in the works. So <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I I really enjoyed this museum here and the stories that you shared behind it, and it's cool because. You know, last week um, I went to the St. Clemens Island Museum, mm -hmm. which was the first landing site exactly. of the pilgrims from that, that actually came to this area. Exactly. So exactly. it's cool to kind of come over here as well and see the history of, you know, once it kind of goes down the line there. And actually out front you even have a cannon. Exactly, yeah. That is from the Ark. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you actually have a piece of that history here. Yes. So it's really, I mean... I just don't understand how people don't love museums. <laughs> I know. I, I agree. Personally, I, I might be so, a little biased, but... <laughs> it's so amazing. It's so great. And the, the really, the history in this area is just so deep, and there's so many facets. I mean, you can visit, like, Sodderley Plantation, which uh, was one of the largest plantations in the county, and they have great... Um, the manor house is still standing, and they actually still have slave quarters that you can visit, and they're doing great interpretation there. Oh, you can wow. go down to Point Lookout, where, um, the like I mentioned before, the prisoner of war camp for Confederate soldiers is, and I've also done a little bit of research about freedom seekers kind of taking refuge there as well, so if you're interested in you know, the Underground Railroad and the history of flight in Maryland, I mean, we have multiple sites and, like we mentioned earlier, multiple people that were involved in that, so um, it's just pretty interesting it stuff. Is. It's so interesting. <laughs> so also, if you check out our Facebook page, which is just St. Clement's Island Museum, um, our director has been uh, filming and recording um, these videos we call Way Back Wednesday videos that kind of started... Uh, initially when everything shut down due to the pandemic as a way to keep people interested in the county's history and uh, the museums in the area. And we actually do have two episodes that kind of pertain to the jail, one on Benjamin Hans and then one on the old jail and the Underground Railroad itself that kind of touches on what we mentioned before, you know, the history of the jail and the freedom seekers and accomplices. So um, definitely check those out too. And we have, uh, there's plenty more if you're just interested on uh, kind of other instances of really cool history in the county. So definitely check those out. <laughs> great, great. Thank you so much for doing of this. Course. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs>